You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Dev Show. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and founder of The Dev Method, which is my system for goal setting simplified. My vision is to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation you need to figure out what you want and help you make a plan to get it. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and creator of The Dev Method. I specialize in goal setting simplified and event outcome optimization. And every Sunday night, I lead the Gold Chat Twitter chat. And then on Monday, I bring in friends to dive deep into the topic. And then Thursday, it magically becomes an episode of the Dev Show podcast. So whether you're watching live or the replay or listening to us, we're glad you're here choosing yourself and your goals. And I've got great guests today. I always say that because I always do. And just we're going to talk like the powerhouse, the nuts and the bolts of writing, but not just writing the passion for writing and its place in the world and whatever else we want to talk about. So today we have with us Christian Marguerite Deutsch, and I love this. We met like six years ago when I spoke mm-hmm. for uh, UCLA, uh, sorry, USC writing, <laughs> yeah. writing workshop, and you reached out with your new book, which I'm really excited about. It's Nora Ephraim, A Biography, and you're going to talk more about that, but I this is why it's great to have a live show because you never know when someone's going to drop back into your life and say, hey, let's talk and let people watch. And also we're joined by my friend Joan Gelfand, who's Zooming in or streamyarding in from San Francisco. And Joan is an author, an activist, a poet, and everything else. So really glad to see you both. I'm going to give you all all both, the opportunity to introduce yourself. So Kristen, let's start with you. Uh, Who are you? Why are you here? And why do you love writing? Yes, thank you so much. Who are we and why are we here? What a great question. Um, (laughs) Coming off of writing a biography, that's been very present. Um, So yeah, so I have been a writer my whole life. Um, I think pretty much uh, since I was five years old, always wanted to be an author. Um, and as you mentioned, the book is finally here. I spent seven or eight years on it, give or take. Um, obviously I was working during that time, but, um, it's definitely been a labor of love. So I love talking about writing with, uh, other readers and writers. And of course, also with my students, I teach at LMU as well. Well, great to see you. And, and so it's like this big relief. How long had you been working on this project? Yeah, uh, it started as my master's thesis in 2014. So um, yeah, so it's been it's been a while. (laughs) It's part of my it's part of my life at this point, for sure. And so and why this topic? Why this person? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, right. Right. Oh, so many reasons. Um, 
Yeah, I got really interested in Nora and her work um, because I was in journalism school and I realized that she had this whole other career, like sort of first life as a reporter before she became a filmmaker. And I just thought that was fascinating. Um, and I really felt like, you know, she's someone that we, we lost somewhat recently at the time. It had only been two years, but really that should be celebrated and talked about more um, at, you know, in scholarly conversations too. I actually started with an academic press. So maybe we'll get more into that kind of publishing stuff once Joan is um, joining us in the conversation. But, um, but yeah, I mean, she's one of these people who wrote in every genre possible over like five or six decades. So, um, so yeah, she's a pretty, pretty special person. Yeah. And well, and as are you for like bringing her to the forefront. <laughs> Thank and, you. Uh, so Joan, going to swap you in here. Welcome. Thanks for, for returning to Gold Chat Live. Uh, who are you? Why are you here? Why do you love writing? Well, I'm here, Deborah, because of, uh, we met through the WNBA, which we should always, I always want to give a little uh, plug to, which is the Women's National Book Association. I was president of the San Francisco chapter and then president of the national organization that has 11 chapters around the country. And I also started the um, national writing contest. Mm -hmm. So I, I've left a good legacy with Women's National Book Association. And at the end, we can talk about how to get in touch with them. I started as a poet. Um, I have three books of poetry, um, uh, many, many, many publications and journals. Then I branched out into short stories and have a book of short stories that uh, won an award. And then I kind of felt like I figured out the keys to the kingdom. And so I wrote this book, How to Be a Winning Writer, um, the Four C's of Successful Authors, and the subtitle is Craft, Commitment, Community, and Confidence. This was published by Mango Press uh, four years ago, and I've been teaching and talking from this book and coaching writers for well over 10 years on um, what I feel is a winning strategy for getting published and getting your work out there. Um, two years ago, my first novel was published, and I'm excited because I just did my first live reading from this book, Extreme, yesterday. We, when the book was published, it was the pandemic, so we did uh, Zoom, Zoom events, but it wasn't as much fun as doing a live event. So uh, this book is set in a Silicon Valley startup, and it deals a lot with women in tech and uh, the struggles and the excitement and uh, what it means to be in a startup. So my novel came out and now I'm working on a memoir of Berkeley in the 70s and I, fingers crossed, but I, I have a publisher that uh, might be interested in that. So the writing life, same thing, what you said, I was glad that you mentioned Nora Ephron worked in several genres because I also review books and write essays. I'm a member of the National Book Critics Circle. So I kind of, um, as someone once said, and I adhere to writers write. 
So when we're not writing books and we're not writing novels or poems, it doesn't mean we're not writing. We're still writing a book review or an essay or a blog post. Um, so that's my life. Yeah. And something that I, and it's not so much interesting, although maybe, you know, interesting, but everybody is a writer. It, you cannot be in business or really exist in this digital age without having some sort of um, content-y kind of presence. So whereas we're all authors here and freelance writers and everything else, even people who might not even identify as a writer is a writer. What do you think? No? I don't agree. Oh, please disagree with me. I don't agree only because... Well, I know there are many aspiring writers and I certainly teach them and coach them. And I see people getting caught up with all kinds of stumbling blocks that I try to help them uh, get, get out of the way. But I also meet many, many people who say, I really admire that you can put words to the page because it's not something I can do. So you're probably because you work in the goal space and a lot of people who have goals to become speakers or media personalities, they do often have to write a book and they, and, you know, to have a platform. Uh, but in general, I think there's a lot of uh, folks out there who are, um, they know that they don't have the skills. So I think we need to, uh, give ourselves a pat on the back for being able to do something that not everybody can do. Okay. Now I feel like I need to not necessarily backpedal, but maybe even differentiate um, because writing is a whether you're a book author or not, even let me try this again. Even people who are not book authors, everybody needs to write to some degree in their daily life. Not everyone is an author, but everybody needs to write for their job to some level. Can we agree on that one? Maybe. No, maybe not. Okay, Kristen, <laughs> help me out here. What do you think? I had the exact same reaction Joan did because, again, this could very quickly become a super philosophical conversation as well as practical. I, I love it. I mean, I think being a writer is different than writing. Right. And like I, I, the edit I would say also is that everyone can be and is a storyteller. You know, we all have stories within us. I think that's lovely. A lot of people are very skilled at, you know, telling them, you know, again, going back to Nora and her life, you know, being really into, um, improv and comedy and like her roots being in like telling a good story that has a great punchline, things like that. So to me, not everyone who considers themselves a, a comedian or, you know, whatever it is, is, is a writer. Whereas, you know, it, it, it's, it's just such a um, special thing. And I would also say, and I think Joan would agree and you would, Deborah, that anyone can be a writer if they aspire to be, you know, like it is a skill and it is a, a you know, something that can be learned with tenacity. And then there's also talent, you know, like natural born storytellers, again, like there's just some people who are put on this planet to be writers and it is very special. And 
not to make it a negative, but I do think that we have a tendency because we all learn to write as students when we're young to devalue it, you know, as an art form to sometimes assume or, or you know, kind of, um, again, as we've seen the proliferation of content in the digital space, it feels less um, like it might be considered less special. And I do want to also, as Joan said, really recognize the incredible hard work that it takes to really be a skilled writer as opposed to someone who creates content and things like that, which again, also takes skills. But I guess I'm also wanting to differentiate somehow, I think. To Deborah's point, I just want to say, uh, in the white collar world, yes, people have to write emails, write reports. My husband is a tech guy that writes the most beautiful emails and reports, <laughs> mm -hmm. but he knows he is not a book writer because he has no interest in sustaining a narrative. Mm. And and even and I think Kristen will agree. You know, whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction you know, you need to have that stamina to take your your concept all the way, you know, beginning, middle, end, you know, and it's much different writing a book than writing a thousand word blog post or a 500 word blog post. Um, but, you know, good, good, good on them who are expressing themselves in the shorter mediums. It's mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think one thing that's happening right now is that a lot of companies are finding themselves faced with employees who really don't have writing skills. And this goes back to what's happening in the schools right now. But I don't know if you want to go there, but it is a, it is a bit of a crisis that uh, people coming out of college, while they may be able to code, they they may not be able to write a, a strong email. Mm. Well, there there is a whole big thing with, with uh, soft skills. This conversation comes up a lot, and people need to be able to communicate, which is one of and one of my big things is um, if ever anybody asks me for advice for for young adults, I always say talk. You know do public speaking classes. I did competitive forensics in high school. And then that was like my social life in college. But if you can speak, if you can communicate, then those benefits leak all over everything else that you do. Mm -hmm. So I think it is um, a bigger conversation. So writing in terms of authorship, yes, a huge big deal. Writing in terms of life is still a big deal but a different kind of a big deal. Can we agree on that one? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> so. Good negotiation. <laughs> okay, good. Well, you know, I like it when yeah. agree to disagree, but also agree to agree yes. um, because it is really a challenge when I, and not everybody who writes in one form is talented in writing in another, which is another like big deal. Oh, great. I can, I can write social media. I can write blog posts, maybe, or maybe it's just a completely different art form. Um, so what is it about writing? Um, why do you write? I feel like it's a trick question, but one that you all, you both know the answer to. So uh, Joan, do you want to start this one? Yeah, I, th I think for me, um, the impetus well, 
there's because I do so many different kinds of writing. Don't forget, I also journal every day. So there's writing for my private life and then there's writing for my public life. And I think the impetus for writing for the public life is like, oh, I have an insight into something that I don't think everybody has had the same insight. So I want to write because I want to share this, uh, you know, just like this, writing this book. It was like, you know, I think I have kind of a developed a, a, a strategy that isn't out there. So, I mean, this book is 200 pages or whatever it is, but believe me, I've written thousands and thousands and thousands of pages, but it's not all for the public. Right. And the same thing with my novel. Oh, and same thing with Nora Ephron. I'm sure just like you have an insight that you want to share with the world. That's an angle that isn't out there yet. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, for me, that's the impetus for putting it out there. Yeah. And what about you, Kristen? Yeah, I think um, the most honest answer would be um, to write is to live. Like, I wouldn't know what it would be like to not write. Like, writing chooses you. You don't choose writing. (laughs) At least that's my experience. And, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I for as long as I can remember, I had a pencil and paper. I... That's just who I am. Um, and yeah, it's one of those um, things that <laughs> can be so painful in the moment as you're doing it. And then it's also really wonderful. You know, like I had gone to this really great Writers Guild panel a few months ago and Bill Lawrence was talking about writing Ted Lasso with Jason Sudeikis. And he was saying that someone in the chat had written um I love writing or something. He was like, I have to call out this person in the chat. No one loves writing. Everyone loves having written, <laughs> which I loved. And it's so true, you know, because a lot of times it does feel really, really hard. And you're like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> um, I at least have moments like that pretty often, um, especially with something that's that lengthy, like a book. Um, as Joan said, it, it is a different um kind of stamina that you kind of have to develop as far as being committed, you know, to the story, to the subject, to your own interest in it and all of that. And so, um, yeah, as far as like why write books, I think maybe that's a different thing, but writing is just, um, to me, I feel the most alive when I'm writing. So I think that's just the, the bottom line there. (laughs) Ah, I mean, I don't think writing could have a better answer than, Mm. (laughs) Right. Because in yeah. the same for me, it's I've been writing since I started tell, writing stories, telling stories as a kid. For me, mm-hmm. that's always been my thing. But one of the the I should use this. You know, when people ask you a question, what is something people don't really know about you? I never use this answer, but I probably should. Growing up, I only wrote fiction. Mm. I wrote, I did so much creative writing. That was my thing. Mm. And then I, after college, I got my first freelance break, literally a week after I wrote my first draft of my first screenplay, you know, back Mm. when I was living in Chicago, you want to move to LA, you have to have the screenplay on the, (laughs) on the passenger seat. But Mm. I got that, that writing break and I started freelancing and that's what came more naturally to me. Mm. And that's, so I've been freelance writing for many years and I self-published two books before 
Mango released her goal guide at the beginning of 2020. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, yes, it's my identity as mm-hmm. it is for most people who identify mm-hmm. as a writer. Yeah, for sure. That's how we met because of Mango Press. Yes. Yes. Brenda, Brenda put us together. Yes. Yes. I believe it, it might've been like a, like a mango party or something. Yes. Yes. Virtual. Yes. But, but this is, and I say it's one of the blessings of the pandemic because I've met more people in the last two and a half years or so than I ever could have met in a lifetime of meeting people face to face. And again, it also gives me the opportunity to reconnect with people. So here we are. So why do you write books, Joan? I like Kristen's <laughs> edit of that question. You know, it's a, it, it's a great question. You know, I know a lot of writers. I, I hope this isn't tangential, but I know a lot oh, of I writers. Oh, I hope it is. Go on. Who are very happy writing articles and publishing articles and have no interest in putting themselves through what it takes to write a book. And they're like, I'm a writer. I have a hundred articles published or, you know, 20 poems and they're really satisfied. To me, I think I just came out of the gate with big ambitions. And um, so I knew that I had, well, yeah, I mean, the difference between being an aspiring writer and a, and a published writer really is the book. It, it really makes a big difference career-wise. And uh, I think I wouldn't have written my first novel if my teacher hadn't said, just keep writing. I, I never had an aspiration to write a novel until I was in a workshop where the teacher said, you, ha- you have a novel and just keep going. Yeah. And, I, and I've done National Novel Writing Month a couple of times just because I love the pressure to get drafts done. So every now and then the the creative me does the creative writing me, the novelist me does kind of like pokes its head out. Um, but I, for me, writing is to inform and inspire. And you, a book is a wonderful platform for that. I, and now I'm going to ask like a really, <laughs> what's the word? I don't mean to be controversial, but I'd love to know what you think, especially Joan, but you, Kristen, about the whole self-publishing industry. Hmm. I have my own thoughts, which I I may or may not chime in on. Did did you ever have experience with that? Well, I self-published my first two books and I self-published them on purpose. So my first was Purple Pencil Adventures, writing prompts for kids of all ages, because I was goal coaching, but also helping people write books. And I wanted that experience to write a book. So I'd have that to bring with me to work with my clients. And then my second book, Write on Blogging, 51 Tips to Create, Write, and Promote Your Blog. I maybe could have tried to sell that one. But because of everything in the blogging world changes, I think like two days before I released it, this was 2016, Lab went under... There were a couple other, I mean, it was dated the day it came out because everything was ever so changing. So for me, it was knowledge I wanted to get out in the world and it made sense for uh, for your goal guide. It made more sense to go mainstream because it is a mainstream title. And fortunately, 
mangoes showed interest. Um, end of, I love the story. End of 2018, and then it came out at the beginning of 2020. So six weeks before the world was, if it would change by circumstance, out comes my book to help people embrace change um, by choice or by circumstance. So I know I'm, wait, I'm supposed to be answering the questions. Um, I think, but I will give my answer because I've already kind of led into it. I think it's a tool. It is, it's something that if you really want to get a book out in the world and either haven't looked for a publisher or want to do it on your own, fine, as long as it's professional. But by the same token, I, there's a trend of people using self-publishing that's um, not... See, I'm. this is just a hot-button issue here. Um, people in the business world who see books as an expensive business card, go for it, you know, if this is what you want. But again, it's a different kind of writing than the journeys that we were talking about before. And now that I said I might not give my answer, I kind of did. Joan, what are your thoughts? Um, you know, he, here's what I tell people as, as a writing coach. You know, uh, self-publishing, if you want to put the muscle behind it to market it and sell the books, it's really nothing more than, um, like you said, it's an expensive business card, right? Um, the, the, there's a lot of problems with it. It's It's not honored by the literary world. You can't get your books reviewed. Um, you can't get into a bookstore. And so your outlets are basically, you know, your, your friends and family and, and networks to, to sell your book to. I never went that route because I always wanted to have the stamp of approval of a, of a publisher. And I think that that has served me. Um, just like it will serve Kristen to have a, a traditionally published book. Uh, traditionally published books can go into libraries, bookstores. So I, I kind of discourage people from it because I think people think, oh, I, I'm going to publish this book and I'm going to put it up on Amazon and, you know, I'm going to sell a few thousand copies. And it's like, it's not that easy to sell a few thousand copies, you know, Um Unless, you know, you're very lucky. I mean, there are some books that have been self-published that went viral, like Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, but she had quite a platform. So, you know, as my husband always says, you can't judge by outliers. You know, one book out of a million that, you know, went viral. So, yeah, I I, I tend to caution people against the investment in self-publishing unless they think they have the muscle and the also the stamina to market it. Yeah. Do you have thoughts on this, Kristen? I do. I think um, <clears throat> it's interesting. Um, I think the same question applies when you're starting a writing project, whether your goal is to have a traditional publisher or to self-publish, which is why am I writing this book? You know, like, who is it for? Why can't it be a series of blog posts? Why isn't it a podcast? You know, that kind of thing. 
Um, and I had helped um, some really wonderful um, Silicon Valley founders uh, ghostwrite a book a few years ago. And they really did feel very uh, passionate about putting forth their philosophy. Um, and that was the idea of the book. And it wasn't really about necessarily selling copies. It wasn't like to become book authors so much as it was to be thought leaders. And um, in that regard, I think we accomplished that, you know, and um, they've had a series of um, really successful funding rounds since then and things like that. So I think if there, if it makes sense, you know, for you to like put forth your mission statement or whatever it is in a longer form, I can see why that would be really valuable. And it certainly makes sense in the um, tech world in particular. I do, I do think this somewhat links back to our original discussion at the top, which was about being a writer versus writing. And I think I'm, I'm feeling like, at least for me, we're both wanting to have access, you know, to have writing be more accessible, much more inclusive, much more diverse, while also holding on to the vestiges of something that is very special and different and unique and artistic. And so I think that there is that push-pull energy, you know, going on with within publishing. And a lot of that is still managed by the gatekeepers, you know? And so it's like, there's even the hierarchy within traditional publishing. Oh, you're not from a big five, you know? Oh, you're not from whatever the things are, you know? And so it's like, you know, we know that as women in publishing, that's even a thing, you know, um, Pulitzer prizes have not been given out to as many women as men, you know, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. So again, I think that this, this is an interesting thing. I do think that it's unfortunate because when you say to people, I'm working on a book, they don't know, you know, are you someone who's talking about you're putting something out yourself or you really have, you know, gone through all of the steps and hurdles and hoop jumping to get an agent and or to, you know, go through peer reviews at an academic press, all of that stuff is very different. And so I, I do feel very protective and proud of that. At the same time, I'm also wanting people to feel like, yeah, you know, if you need to get your story out there, like, go for it, you know, and we do know that Brene Brown is another example, she self published her first book. You know, so she's another one of these, like you say, she's an outlier. <laughs> she's <laughs> sold millions of copies of many, many books that you're like, you know, it's it's one of those things. Um, and I also always remind myself, especially before the book came out, uh, Joan Didion had published. There wasn't, you know, really self-publishing back then other than, you know, like zines and stuff like that. But um, she had a pretty small publisher publish her first book as did Nora. Uh, she had written a biography about Johnny Carson that is out of print. And um, as Joan said, she sold about 10 copies. So that always made me feel a little bit better. <laughs> like It's okay. It's okay if your first book doesn't do that well, you know? And again, it's like, what am I doing it for? Is it for the writing? Is it to get the story out there? Or is it to sell a bunch of copies? Because again, this is another like super interesting publishing conversation, I think that happens with agents and publishers. And I'm sure Joan has thoughts on, which is like, again, this stamina, you know, this idea of like, are you a novelist who wants to just kind of write novels and never do anything with them? Or are you a person that's really gonna, you know, this expectation now that we are also involved in the commerce process very much, you know, before, during and after to 
bring readers in, to bring fans in, to bring people to book events, things like that. And so it is a really interesting kind of um, process that's changed and evolved and obviously is continuing to as we speak. It, there is definitely a trend of using book for marketing. And those books aren't necessarily of the quality, but the desire is there. So it really is, what are the different pieces? One thing that I always recommend, I said, I don't care if you're planning to self-publish, write a book proposal, because then Mm -hmm. you will have your framework Mm -hmm. and you will have your book proposal if you decide to go that route. But even if you don't, you have this information and Mm -hmm. it goes back to uh, what you were saying at at the beginning of this particular answer, Kristen, which is why are you writing this? What mm-hmm. is the the impetus behind it? Mm-hmm. So do either of you have a writing project you've always wanted to do, but you haven't quite gotten to? I'm working on that now. <laughs> now that I've got six books behind me, I finally have the opportunity to write this book that I've been wanting to write for a really long time. But I'm older than both of you, so you know I gotta start doing. I gotta I gotta start doing the things that I've always wanted to do, right? Well, I think it. I don't think people need to wait to do the things that they've always wanted to Absolutely. do. I think that well, and that's the big thing that I do with with goal setting is when you look at the life you want, what does that look like? And if you can't make the big changes, what are the little changes? What are the little goals you can you can set? that's going to bring joy into your life. So um, good on you for doing that, Joan. Um, and Kristen, what about you? Do you have a thing that keeps niggling in your head someday? <laughs> or was this it? This was it. This was it for a long time. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course, there's always more, you know. Um, yeah, things popped up in the process that I thought that would be an interesting follow-up or second book. And um then I also thought I was crazy because I'm like, it's so hard. <laughs> Just write the one book and be done. But that's not possible. That's not that's not a thing. It's it, it'll be it'll be something. I also want to like probe a little bit of this idea that creative writing is different than nonfiction. You know, because I I suspect and know from knowing you, Deborah, that your writing is creative and why does it have to be different? You know, why is fiction different than nonfiction? You know, I think that's super interesting too. That is interesting. (laughs) And and you're, you're right. Nonfiction is very creative. I mean, my gold (laughs) book has a road trip theme. Mm -hmm. There is creativity in there as well, for sure. Um, That's a really good point. And I think it goes into prioritizing. And mm. and I've told this story before as well. Um, the first version of my podcast was the Guide to Gold podcast. Mm. And I had to put it on hold because I really wanted to write this blogging book. Mm. And the blogging book was not going to get done when I was hosting a weekly podcast. So um, I put a pin in that. So I think that's the other thing with, I think, all projects, not just writing projects. You... And especially those of us who, when we write, that is our job and our passion. So we've got the different the different mm-hmm. aspects of mm-hmm. our writer life. 
Um, part of why I write fiction is because I love sharing the stories of others. And that's what, what I do with my freelancing and with my, my book and the things that I do under, under the banner of goal setting and event outcome optimization, my newsletter, all that is for the purposes of motivating people to move forward. So there are definite, um, reasonings for both, but you're right. There's, I sit corrected. There is creativity in all that I do because, um, I love this idea of, when you're a writer, you can write like f- any one topic is at least five different somethings, mm. right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is straight out of Nora's mouth. That's not something I came <laughs> up with, but her whole life was about determining where that line is between fiction and nonfiction. And one of the things I learned studying her and talking with people who worked with her was that she actually didn't see very much of a difference between the screenplay and writing you know, and being a reporter, you know, and she, everything is story, you know? And so like, I think that's just a really fun takeaway when I was teaching um, a create a literary nonfiction class uh, a few years ago, you know, to really like bring back in that energy and passion from when we were kids, you know, that that's like one of the first things we learn is like writing a story beginning, middle and end and reading stories, you know? And so I love that. I think that it's just a really fun and cool way to tap back into like who we are as people, you know, that it doesn't have to be, even if you are writing a report, like Joan said, it can be really elegant and eloquent. And um, yeah, I love that. I love the idea of like infusing creativity and artistry into the simplest of tasks, you know. I like that too. So Joan, what do you think? Um, well, I agree with both of you wholeheartedly, but I will also say that for me, writing my nonfiction book was much less arduous than writing my novel because Mm. the novel was world building, Mm. right? I mean, this, I was writing what I knew, Mm. um, my novel, I was imagining what, different characters would say and do and respond in different situations and, you know, trying to create a dramatic arc. um, To me, it was uh, just more challenging, Um, but I have read nonfiction. Uh, I remember reading a book about Venice and um, even that book that was written about, um, Uh, by the Wall Street reporter uh, about Theranos, Bad Blood, uh, about, uh, what was her name, Elizabeth? Mm -hmm. The one who was up for trial because her startup did all kinds of terrible things. Um, That read like a caper, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that book was so exciting and it Mm -hmm. did have a real narrative arc and every page it was... Mm -hmm. It was a page turner, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I think maybe because my writing book was more instructional, it just, uh, it just flowed a lot, a lot easier because I had been teaching everything that I was writing about, you know, Mm -hmm. so from experience, the, the world building to me was, was really hard, but in nonfiction, you know, it's all about the research, you know, like Kristen saying, it's about story. It is, but the nonfiction 
writers that I know, the research that they do is just epic, epic. Um, you know, pouring over source materials in, in yeah. strange locked libraries, you know, <laughs> um, you know, in private collections of people's letters. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, but there's people who love that. It's like digging through. It's like being a detective, right? You're mm -hmm. like, yeah, looking. Yeah. For, yeah, looking. Well, but, like what you did with Nora. Yeah. yeah, but even with detectives, like, again, the writer part to me is like, what does it all mean, you know? So, like, it, you can have all of all of the material and it's like, but what it, what are, what are you trying to say with it, you know? And so I think that is a really interesting um dynamic like you said with with novelists too you know like you said like what is what is the point of this chapter what is the idea of this person's journey or that kind of thing and um yeah definitely becoming like you said more interested in world building and nonfiction. i think that's just fascinating and it's definitely something that readers and publishers really want more of you know we're, we're into this true crime genre again and that kind of thing you know the sort of Truman Capote version of things, you know? And so it's like really interesting because um, again, a lot of us, I especially thought that I had abandoned sort of creative writing a long time ago, fiction writing a long time ago. I'm like, I'm not a screenwriter. That became painfully obvious when I took a screenwriting class. Um, but then I became a journalist and I realized like it is in the creative writing that you can really stand out and say something different, you know, if that's the kind of writer you want to be. And um, yeah, I would love to learn more of that. You know, um, like you said, Joan, just being really imaginative with, you know, where was this person when they wrote this letter, you know, and like, why are these words redacted in that report, you know, and all of that is super interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. So the steps to being a writer start with decide what kind of writer you want to be, then what you want to write. Is that accurate? Hmm. Maybe the opposite. Okay, continue. What do you want to write? And for whom and why, I guess. I don't know. I guess it depends on the project. I don't know. I feel like Joan will have a more... <laughs> succinct and logical way. I mean, nothing about this to me is logical. So I'm not, I'm not, I need to read your book and see what, <laughs> what the actual steps I, are. I highly <laughs> agree with you about the logic. <laughs> I, 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 I had a business career for 20 years before I devoted myself to writing full time. And I always say, you know, it's so frustrating because in business, if you do X, Y, Z, Yes. You know, 90% of the time you're going to get the result mm -hmm. in creative, in the creative life, you can do X, Y, Z, but you don't always get the results. So that's mm -hmm. why in my book, I, I have a whole section on confidence because mm -hmm. so many things can shake your confidence mm -hmm. um, when things don't go the way you, you think they should go. And mm -hmm. a lot of being out there in the public is about timing, just like Deborah's saying, you know, her book on, on goal setting comes out in the pandemic when people are sitting there going, now what am I going to do with my life? Right, right. Um, so uh, I want to go back to your original question, though. Will you state it again? What is the, if someone's looking to be a writer, mm. what in your 
um, expertise is the order. And I'm saying order, like order actually matters, but I'm finding this conversation A, completely different than what I anticipated it being, and B, you know, even better, right? Because you, and this is why I love doing this kind of a show, because you don't know. We all have our own body of work, our own perspective, and it's fun to kind of compare notes and share inspiration. You know, I, I want to say something. I, I did want to address that, which is I think it really depends on how early you get your advocates in your career. So, mm -hmm. for example, all of my books have been published with independent presses. It's only now, six books later, that I actually have an agent who's going to help me design my career. But I know people who've had an agent since their early books and who say, you know, I've written... 10 books on crime and I want to write something else, but my agent keeps putting me in this direction. So I think it really depends on if you have a publisher that you're devoted to or an agent that's devoted to you, how you, I think then you are a little bit more pigeonholed, so to speak, you know, than when you're on your own working with independent presses or of course, self-publishing, then of course, you know, you're, you can write whatever you want. So I think it really depends on the trajectory and, and who's on your team. And if you don't have a team, you get to be team yourself. You're your own That's team. That's right. <laughs> you're your own team. <laughs> okay, so let, let's say we've got people tuning in who always felt writing was just too overwhelming. You know, the, these big, massive book projects. And when, when I put this up as the podcast, it might just be on book conversation of book writing and other things. Um, what is the first step from someone who, for someone who always wanted to be writing, really writing? Joan? You know, I think this is really uh, an important question, Deborah, because I think people have sparks of ideas that don't always translate into a full-fledged book. So, you know, and I'm sure you found that with the Nora book. It's, you know, you might have had a spark, but then it blossoms into so mm -hmm. many other aspects. You can't just cover one aspect of her life if you're going to write 200 pages, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's one issue. Like, does your idea really have legs to, to go the distance? And, you know, different writers, because I've listened to interviews with writers and talked to writers for over 20 years, different writers have different approaches. Some writers will not write their first page and I've heard this from who wrote the name of the rose. He's really a famous writer. He's your Umberto Eco. He says he spends over a year working out the architecture of his book. Hmm. Like he has to know everything about that hmm. book before he'll write page one. Myself, I kind of get a broad brush stroke and dive in. And I figure if I lose the thread at page 80, like I did with my master's thesis, Okay, it, it never became a novel, but it was 80 pages. Um, do, so, you know, and, and a lot of writers do. They'll, they'll go down the road 
and realize this is not a whole book. It's just not. And so, you know, either you're cautious and you architect it out and you have all your plot points. And like you said, Deborah, write your book proposal so that you have your roadmap and you know that you have a book or dive in and take your chances. <laughs> Definitely two different, it's personalities, right? It's, it's some personalities are more comfortable with just, woo, you know, I'm going. Well, and so there, there's also the conversation, you know, are you a plotter or are you a pantser? I always say I'm a plotter who pantses or a pantser who plots. You need a little bit What's of a pull. panter. What's a panter? Oh, writing by the seat of your pants. Oh, a panter. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's funny. I like that. Okay. Well, it, it, I think it's common in, in the National Novel Writing Month world. You know, mm. you have a month to write a novel, which I think is a great exercise for anybody who just want it, wants to get words out of your head. You can cheat. You can mm. use it for nonfiction. You can use it for blog posts. You can use it for mm. stories. But using that um, as a motivation to get a lot of words out there at once. But there, there's a lot of um, conversation behind it. Do you plan for your nano novel or do you just dive right in so that's where i that's where um, the origin um that i've heard uh, so kristen what do you think what is the first step uh that's a loaded question um I the know. first step you're the welcome first, <laughs> the first step is like you know Joan has alluded to a few times, you know, having someone who believes in you, you know, and maybe that's only you, but um, it's so important, you know, it's hard. It's really hard to be a writer. Um, it's hard to do a lot of things, but it's hard to be a writer. And I think um, you got to start somewhere, you know, like I'm definitely a person who believes in both. Like you said, I think having some structure, some outlines, some concept of what it is you're trying to do is obviously really helpful. But there is also that element of, yeah, sitting down and getting 100 words on the page, you know, and then getting another 100 words and then another and then realizing you can do this, you know. And I do always like struggle with the whole um, sit down from nine to 12, you know, and see what comes out kind of thing. I I found it easier, not easier. Nothing was easy about writing. Um, I found it more helpful to have like a word count in mind. I know that Nora stuck to a word count, a um, page count, um, you know, like two or three pages of the screenplay before she'd go on to the rest of her day kind of thing. Um, it does require commitment. You know, it is a little bit of a um, fallacy to imagine, you know, that it just kind of happens, you know, it is, it is a commitment. And I think that's obviously uh, part of it, but I think, the idea of um, keeping scraps of paper and keeping things that inspire you and taking notes and having small things that might become a thing. Um, I, I love that. I, I yeah. Uh, speaking of controversial, I, I, I want to say something, but I don't want to say it. I, I had seen the Woody Allen documentary um, after having watched the really powerful documentary, you know, where his um, adopted daughter or stepdaughter, you know, had spoken about abuse. And so I hate to kind of highlight any of his 
writerly tips, but he, he had tons of scraps of paper that had become like, this is the title of a movie. I don't know what it is yet. You know, that kind of thing. So I feel very uh, validated by that because I have lots of scraps of paper from the time I was a little girl that I'm always like, well, I have to keep those just in case they become something. And it's like, they're, they're not anything brilliant, but you never know, you know, so. <laughs> well, and I love those scraps of paper philosophy, but one of the things that I teach is keep them all together, you know, keep Definitely. all of your ideas, whether if you're mm-hmm. a big handwriter, keep it all in a notebook. Mm-hmm. If you're a big typer, typist, computer, whatever person, mm-hmm. um, have a dedicated computer document, something in the cloud. So whenever you get a brilliant idea, it's there. And that way, when you're ready to be brilliant, you don't have to look around for the scraps of paper. Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're definitely all together. Well, yeah. I love this conversation. Um, and again, we never know what we're, <laughs> I feel like quoting Forrest Gump, you know, Slice a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Um, but the point being, really good, deep conversation on the different types of writing, what it takes, and where to start. And on that note, I would love for you both to gift a goal to our audience, something that they can do today, tonight, tomorrow, to start writing or write better or, you know, whatever sort of writing goal tip you want to give. Uh, Joan, do you have a writing goal to gift? Uh, I would challenge our listeners to um, think about five places where their work might be published. Okay. And then what? And then what? Oh, and then submit them. Submit, okay. submit their work to, you know, start getting that muscle toned up to get the work out there. Yeah. One thing that, that Kristen said a few moments ago, um, I have an advocate, someone who believes in you, even if it's just you. So I love how this goal really, really is a nice little call back to that. And I edited a little bit um, to say, don't just think about five places where your work might be published, write them down, then submit and start toning that submission muscle. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Uh, what do you think, Kristen? I was going to start so teeny tiny. Oh, please. Um, for those do of that. us that are like, I just don't even know I'm frozen. Um, my thing was going to just be like literally take out a piece of paper, start a Google Doc that says like the title of the project or book writing notes or something, something that gives it uh, substance, you know, that's like this is a thing I'm doing, you know, save it on your desktop or, you know, put it on top of your notebook, whatever it is. But I think just starting somewhere, like literally having a document that that means like you have an expectation that you're going to fill out this document. I love that. I'm going to edit that goal too. I hope it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. I, I think we should, we should double dip here, you know, start that idea document, mm-hmm. whether it is a notebook or a Google doc or whatever. And also start that project. The one that's been niggling at you that you can't get out of your head Give it a title, mm-hmm. 
and commit to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, and it can be tiny pieces. It can be a hundred words here and there, you know, to start, but, um, okay. but yeah, whatever, whatever it takes to get going, you know? Well, I think that that's it. And it appears from the comments, we've been inspiring people right and left. So uh, for those of you who are tuning in live, <laughs> we, we appreciate you and we're happy. We're happy to help. Uh, where can people uh, find you, learn more about you, Kristen? Um, I have a website, kristenmarguerite.com, um, and chicagoreviewpress.com has all the info about the Nora book and um, all the events we're doing, all of that good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. And Joan, where can people find you? Um, same thing. I have a website, joangelfan.com. And all my books are there and links to the publishers and all of that. Yeah. Excellent. And you can find me. I'm at the Deb Method everywhere. And if you go to the debmethod.com slash blog, you will be able to read the recap and the highlights from this fantastic conversation and also watch the replays and recaps of the previous episodes. Uh, ladies, what a wonderful conversation. Let's leave people with just one or two more uh, kernels of inspiration. Uh, do you have a final tip or words of wisdom, Kristen? Mm. Take it a day at a time, you know, in life and love and writing, you know, <laughs> be patient with yourself, you know, be gentle. I like that. Take it. A, be patient. Patience is a virtue not many writers have. Mm. Not many people have. Oh, but, that's true too. But it's but it's a it's a thing for sure. <laughs> yeah. Take it a day at a time. Be patient. Love it. And what about you, Joan? I, I would say the same. Uh, adding, you know, if you really believe in your project, stick with it and set your goals, but also be flexible. So mm-hmm. you know, if if you don't meet your goal one month, one year. Just regroup. <laughs> I agree with that completely because, well, with me, you know, so the Deb method is determine your mission, explore your options, find term your path. So it starts with why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And if things change along the way, be flexible. But when you know the mission behind what you're doing, again, you could be a plotter and a pantser at the same time. You're going a path, but you mm-hmm. have your wiggle room. So you stay focused and forward moving. Love it. So thank you so much, Joan, Kristen, for joining me today. For those of you who tune in, thank you for choosing yourself and your goals um, and taking the time to get uh, hopefully inspired and motivated. Uh, Again, I'm Deborah Eckerling, and you can catch me every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific on your favorite social media platform where I stream, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Um, You want to write? Great. You don't want to write? That's fine too. But if you have those writing goals, go on out there and go for it because we know that you can do it. Thanks for listening to The Deb Show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Need more inspiration and motivation? Connect with me on LinkedIn follow at the Dev Method on social media and check out the 
Best of luck with your goals. And remember, you can do it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.